Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing on in our sermon series called Overwhelmed. And all throughout this series, we're talking about different areas in our lives that can leave us feeling stressed out and defeated, those areas that make us feel overwhelmed. And in this episode, we're going to talk about something that 60% of Americans feel stressed out about, according to the American Psychological Association, and that's work. A lot of us feel stressed out about our work. And why do we feel stressed about work? Well, it really boils down to two things. We feel stressed at work when we don't feel like we belong or when we feel like our work doesn't really matter. So in this sermon, we're going to be talking about how we can overcome those feelings of not belonging and how we can find meaningful work no matter what job it is we have. So let's get right into this episode's sermon. Steelworkers, construction workers, and construction managers. They work behind the scenes to literally build our communities up. But when you put these two lists together, firefighters and steelworkers, police officers and construction workers, security guards and construction managers, those two lists don't seem to have a whole lot in common. But as hard as it may be to believe that these six relatively unrelated professions could have anything in common, they actually do have one big thing in common, and that's stress. According to U.S. News and World Reports, those are six of the 25 most stressful professions in America this year. But as many of us are well aware, you don't have to work in public service or in construction to feel stressed about your work. According to the American Psychological Association, 60% of adults in America report that they are stressed about work. You know what that means, right? It means that if you're worshiping with us here in person right now, and if you look at the person who's sitting on your left, and you look at the person who's sitting on your right, two out of the three of you are stressed out about work. But what is it about work that stresses us out? Well, according to Health Magazine, there are eight different types of work-related stress. But essentially, all of these different work-related stresses boil down to just two things. You feel stressed about your work because your work doesn't seem meaningful, or you feel stressed about your work because you don't feel like you belong. You feel stressed about your work because your work doesn't seem meaningful, or you feel stressed about work because you don't feel like you Now, I've experienced both of these things firsthand when I was working the most stressful job that I ever had. And the most stressful job I ever had didn't have anything to do with ministry. Now, I know that may be a little bit hard to believe when you think about everything that Melbourne Heights has been through over the last five years. As we've worked to sell an old building, as we've been a portable church for about a year and a half now, and as we're still looking for our next church home. And that doesn't even touch on all of the stress that ministers everywhere have faced during the pandemic. But the most stressful job I ever had had nothing to do with ministry. It was a job I had before I became a minister. The most stressful job I ever had was when I was managing a toy store. Now, I took that job just a few weeks after I had graduated college with a degree in religion. So I took the job assuming that it wasn't going to take long before some church would come calling and I would be able to become a pastor. Well, it took about three and a half years for that to happen. But 
But I took the job working at the toy store at the time because I needed a job that would pay me better than minimum wage so that I could afford to pay my bills. And lo and behold, the job opens up at this toy store, spent paying eight bucks an hour, and I didn't have much hesitation before I accepted the position. And at first, if you don't mind me stealing a line from Big by Tell, I thought it was going to be awesome with a capital A, baby. I mean, seriously, what kid doesn't dream of growing up to run their own toy store? I thought it was going to be like that classic Tom Hanks movie, Big, except in real life. So I thought the hardest thing about managing a toy store was going to be learning how to play chopsticks on an oversized piano. But I was wrong. It didn't take long before I realized that what I was doing for a living was selling cheap pieces of plastic to kids, and I was doing it at a 30% markup. So that didn't exactly feel like meaningful work to me. And it also isn't the ideal mindset in the corporate world, either. Because the corporate world always seems to focus in on things like the bottom line and your profit and loss statements. But the reality is I could have cared less how much money was sitting in our cash register at the end of the night. What I cared about was if the customers who had come in that day had left happy. So my work didn't feel meaningful, and I didn't feel like I belonged inside of the corporate culture. And that made me miserable. I absolutely hated the idea of going into work just about every single day. But that's what I did. 40 hours a week, 50 weeks out of the year, I went to a job that I hated job that didn't give me much of anything in return for the time that I invested into it. In a lot of ways, what I experienced when I was managing the toy store, it reminds me of a parable or a short story with a point that Jesus once told. And he tells this parable in Luke chapter 8. So if you've got a Bible close by, why don't you grab it and turn with me to Luke chapter 8. And just as a reminder for you as you're finding it, Luke is essentially a biography of Jesus. So Luke 8, we're going to get to hear something that Jesus teaches us related to work. So Luke chapter 8, we'll start reading in verse 3. Here's what Jesus says. He begins by telling us, When a great crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from one city after another, Jesus spoke to them in a parable. He said, A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering it, some fell on the path where it was crushed, and the birds in the sky came and they ate it. Other seed fell on rock. As it grew, it dried up because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorny plants. The, thorny, the thorns grew with the plants and choked them. Still other seed landed on good soil. When it grew, it produced 100 times more grain than was scattered. As Jesus said this, he called out, Everyone who has ears should pay attention. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. Jesus said to them, you have been given the mysteries of God's kingdom, but these mysteries come to everyone else in parables, so that when they see, they can't see, and when they hear, they can't understand. The parable means this. The seed is God's word. The seed on the path are those who hear, but then the devil comes and steals the word from their hearts so that they won't believe and be saved. The seed on the rock are those who receive the word joyfully when they hear it, have no roots. They believe for a while, but they fall away when they are tempted. As for the seed that fell among thorny plants, these are the ones who, as they go about their lives, are choked by the concerns, riches, and pleasures of life, and their fruit never matures. The seed that fell on the good soil, those who hear the word and commit 
themselves to it with a good and upright heart. Through their resolve, they bear fruit. So this parable it clearly relates to soils, and it relates to our receptiveness to the Word of God. But this parable, this parable also teaches us a lot about what it means to work. So what I want us to do is I want us to take a minute, and I want you to imagine that you are the farmer in this parable, and that you're getting ready to go out and work in the fields. Alright? Now, Jesus tells this parable in the first century, long before there was heavy machinery that was going to help you do your job. So as you go out and field, essentially all that you have is you have a bag of seeds in your hand, and your hands to go and scatter the seeds. So I want you to imagine that you walk out into that field. You reach down into your bag of seeds, you grab a handful, and you start to scatter it among the field. Now, the first handful that you take and you throw out on the field, it lands, but it barely has a chance to hit the ground before birds start swooping in and scooping it up. How did that make you feel if you were the farmer? Now, if I was the farmer, I can tell you how I would feel. First, I would feel like all of those birds just ripped me off. So I'd be pretty angry about that, but I'd also be aggravated, irritated, and I would be frustrated because all of my work was worthless. It didn't matter how much time I spent out in the field. It didn't matter how hard I had worked. Everything I had done didn't amount to anything. I continue to imagine that you're the farmer in the story. So you go back out into the field another day. You reach into your bag of seed. You scatter it on the soil. This time, it lands on rocky ground. But this time your seed takes root. So you come back a few days later and you see the seedlings have started to grow. You get excited because it looks like you're going to have a bumper crop. But then the sun comes up and it starts scorching the earth, drying out the ground and the seedlings quickly wither away and die. How would you feel if you were the farmer? the same way you did about the birds. You feel like your work had been wasted, that everything that you had done amounted to nothing. So you go back out a third day. You reach into your bag of seed, you scatter it on the ground, and this time the seed lands among the weeds. And once again, the seed begins to grow, but it doesn't take long before the weeds choke the seedlings. Yeah. How would you feel? Like your work had been wasted. Everything that you did didn't amount to anything. So you go back out another day. You reach into your bag, you grab the seeds, you scatter it on the ground, but this time it lands on good and fertile soil. There are no birds swooping down to steal your seed. There is no sun that's coming up and scorching it because the seeds were able to take deep roots and keep drawing water in. There are no weeds that are going to choke them out. So the seeds continue grow and grow, and eventually they produce fruit that you can harvest. How would you feel? You'd feel like your work had meant something. You would feel like this is what work was supposed to be. So what does this parable teach us about our work? Well, in this parable, when the farmer is focused on the wrong areas, his work is absolutely miserable for him. When he is sowing the seed, Amongst where the birds can scoop it up, or amongst the weeds, or the thorns, or the rocky ground. He's miserable. But when he turns his attention to the right 
place. The work, the farmer's work, is fruitful. It's meaningful. It makes him feel like he belongs. Now I had to learn that lesson when I was working at the toy store, and it took me quite a while to figure it out. But eventually I learned that when I was focused in on the things that my corporate management told me that I needed to be focused in on, I was looking in the wrong area. Because no matter how long I looked at profit and loss statements, at the bottom line, it always made me feel miserable. So I needed to shift my focus to another area where my work would matter, where my work had meaning, where I felt like I belonged. So that's eventually what I did. And instead of focusing on the things that my bosses told me to worry about, I started focusing on the people around me. I started focusing on the staff. Uh, that I oversaw as the manager of that store. And even though I wasn't in a ministry setting at the time, I ministered to the folks that, I was, that were on my staff. I talked to them about what was happening. I was trying to be there for them when they were struggling with a relationship in their family or financially or whatever else was happening in their lives. And I also tried to focus the best I could on the customers that were coming into the store, especially those regular customers that we saw pretty frequently. And over the course of my three and a half years managing the toy store, I got to know some of those customers pretty well. So I began to understand what it was that they were looking for when they came into the store. And more importantly, I understood who it was that they were shopping for so I could really help them out. Now, I'm not going to stand here today and try to lie to you and tell you that just by shifting my focus and focusing on the people that I was working with and for, that it made me love my job. Because it didn't. And I'm not going to stand here trying to lie to you and tell you that after I shifted my focus that I wanted to continue to work in that toy store for the rest of my life. Because obviously at some point I quit and I started working in a church. But what I can tell you is that by shifting my focus to focusing in on things that were meaningful and mattered to me, the stress of my job, that level went way down. And I felt like what I was doing actually made a difference in people's lives. And it also helped me understand something that Jesus once taught us. When Jesus said this, he said, Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Desire first and foremost God's kingdom. Or maybe you've heard this verse translated, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What exactly does that mean? Well, it means that our priority as followers of Jesus has to be focusing on God and God's kingdom. And what it means when it comes to our work is that we work for God first. We work for God first. Now, this is a huge shift in perspective for many of us because the way that we think about work is we think that we work for our customers or we work for our clients, we work for our employees or we work for our bosses. But as followers of Jesus, we are told to seek first God's kingdom, to desire first and foremost the things of God. So when it comes to our work, we have to realize that we work for God first. And God wants to use you wherever it is that you are in your work. Now, I know that that may be difficult to believe, depending on the career that you have right now. There are just some jobs that don't seem to be meaningful or ever going to be places that you can fit in. So let's think about a couple of jobs and let's think about how God can use you if you are working in those areas. But let's start by thinking about a fast food restaurant. 
If you're working in a fast food restaurant, that's typically a job that somebody has as they're just entering into the workforce. And it's not a job that people stay in for a really long period of time for the most part because people just don't find the work to be meaningful. So how can God use you if you're working in a fast food restaurant? Well, God can use you if you're working in a fast food restaurant when you have a single mom that pulls into your drive through after she just got off work from her second job that she works to make ends meet. She's got a couple of kids in the back of her car, and she's just too exhausted to go home and try to prepare a meal for them herself. So God's going to use you to take care of that mother, to take care of her kids, to provide them with something to eat. Or what if part of your job is putting out stock inside of a department store? How can that work be meaningful for you? Well, that work can be meaningful for you because the work that you do and the items that you're putting out onto the sales floor are eventually going to be, you're going to have a kid that's walking through your store right before the first day of school. And they're going to find their dream outfit sitting on the shelves or on a display inside of your store. They're going to pick those items out. They're going to wear them proudly their first day of school, feeling like they are put together and like they are ready to face whatever the new school year is going to bring. Maybe you're a handy person. How can God use you in that role? Well, God can use you to help repair a leaky roof that a senior adult has so that they have some place safe and dry to live. Maybe you work in a more white-collar field. Maybe you work as a lawyer. How can God use you if, if, you're, if you're a lawyer? Well, God can use you to help people when they're facing some of their most difficult and challenging times in their lives. God can use you to help them navigate what can be a really complex system most of us simply don't understand. So what you're starting to see is it doesn't matter what work that you do. God can use you. And God wants to use you. God wants you to be his presence in the lives of your clients and your customers and your co-workers. God wants you to be his presence in the lives of your employees and your bosses. Or to put it as simply as I can for you, God wants you to be his presence where you work. God wants you to be his presence wherever you work. Now, I know it's something you might be thinking right now. You might be thinking, well, that's all well and good, and it's a lot of useful information about work, but I'm retired. How does this apply to me? Because let's be honest, there are several people that are worshiping with us right now that have been retired, and some of you have been retired for years. So is any of this conversation about work applicable to you? If you're not in the work field right now, well, to answer that, if those are the thoughts running through your mind, I would say we need to be careful that we don't confuse the meaning of the word work with the meaning of the word job. Let me give you an example to help you understand what I'm talking about. The example that I want to give you is Harlan Sanders. Now, we all know who Harlan Sanders is, right? He is better known as Colonel Sanders. And Colonel Sanders is the face of KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. But what you may not realize is that Colonel Sanders wasn't always the face of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Before Harlan Sanders became Colonel Sanders, he had a lot of different jobs. Harlan Sanders had jobs with the Army and with the railroad company. He had jobs as a firefighter and as a lawyer. He had a job selling life insurance and running a ferry boat, operating as a captain. He had a job as a tire salesman, and he worked as a gas station attendant. Now, in case you weren't keeping track with me, that's eight different jobs that Harlan Sanders had in his life 
long before he ever started frying chicken. He was actually 40 years old before he started trying to cook and sell fried chicken. And it took him another two decades after he started frying chicken before he sold his first finger-licking good franchise. But when Harlan Sanders went back to the deep fryer in the back of a service station in Corbin, Kentucky, and fried his first batch of fried chicken, he was returning to the work that God had always wanted him do. See, from a very young age, when he was just seven years old, Harlan Sanders was expected to cook for his entire family while his mother was at work at a nearby factory. So when he went to that deep fryer and started frying chicken, he was finally doing the work that God had always wanted him to do. Harlan Sanders was taking care of people. He was feeding people. He was showing hospitality. And that's why for the first time in his life, when he found the work that God wanted him to do, he actually found a job that stuck. And that job stuck for 50 years, the rest of his life. The same thing is true for us. It doesn't matter if you're 7 or if you're 97. God has work for you. God wants to use you. And the work that God wants you to do may have absolutely nothing to do with a job. The work that God may want you to do right now is God may want you to volunteer and work at a food pantry to help feed those who are hungry in your retired years. Or if you are working, God may the work that God may want you to do may be spending a little bit of extra time in the break room when you get to work tomorrow morning and listening to one of your co-workers as they share issues that they're having as they're trying to raise their kids or they're dealing with some financial issues. Or maybe the work that God wants you to do means that you get up early on a Sunday morning to help put out signs and banners for our church so that people can find where we are and feel welcome when they come. The work that God may want you to do may mean picking up a phone call and reaching out to your friends and family just to touch base and give them an ear that they can talk to. The work that God wants you to do may be sitting down and writing cards or notes and dropping them in the mail so that people know that they're loved and thought about. Reality is the work that God has for every single one of us that is worshiping right now, whether you're here in person or you're worshiping with us online, is different and it's unique for you. But if you're not doing the work that God wants you to do, you're always going to struggle with stress when it comes to your life. If you're not doing the work that God wants you to do, probably always going to have some misery when it comes to the work that you're spending your time on. So here's what I want you to do this week. I want to challenge you to spend some time thinking about how God can use you to build his kingdom. And the way that you can do that is to spend some time thinking about what it is that you enjoy doing most of your time. What are those things that you do that give you And then when you know those things that you enjoy doing with your time, those things that give you life, spend some time in prayer. Spend some time talking with God and reflecting on how God can use those areas that bring you joy, those things that give you life, to build his kingdom, to serve other people. And the work that God's calling you to, it might be inside of the church. The work that God's calling you to, it might also be at your actual job. 
The work that God is calling you to might be for another nonprofit organization, or it might be in your own neighborhood. The reality is that God has work He wants every one of us to do. Work that is meaningful. Work that matters. Work that makes a difference in your life and the life of others. Discover how it is that God wants to use your life. And when you do, when you understand how God wants to use you to do meaningful work that matters, makes a difference, and makes you feel like you belong, well, then all you have to do is get to work. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, we're just thankful for the chance that we have worship you, a God that wants to use every single one of us. God, as we look at a grand scheme of life, we know that we are relatively insignificant. You are the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything, and that yet, for some reason, you want us to work for you. You have a purpose, you have a plan for all of our lives, God. So my prayer is that as so many of us stress out about way that we spend our lives, the things that we do with our time, that you help us find the work that you have created each of us to do. Allow us to be your presence in this world. Allow us to be your hands and your feet, sharing your love, your hope, your joy, and your peace with those around us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has helped you realize what you can do to make your work feel less stressful. If you figure out how God wants to use you and the work that you do, then your work is going to be meaningful, and you're going to feel like you belong. And when those two things happen, your work becomes far less stressful. Now, in our next episode, we are going to be wrapping up the sermon series called Overwhelmed. And we've still got one more area of your life where a lot of us end up feeling overwhelmed. And that's related to our health. So we hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And you don't have to wait till Tuesday to hear the next sermon. You can also come and worship with us live online every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We worship at mhbclouisville.com slash live. And we would love to have you come and join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.